1: what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast my name is steven and i am the host as always and uh joining me this afternoon is my guy tyler tyler what's up man how are you doing today
2: i'm doing fantastic look at the floaty spinny head thing i have over here for the oh, Chargers isn't that fun i have that and a balrog of moria now getting nerdy up in here getting
1: nerdy getting nerdy it is getting nerdy. Speaking of getting nerdy, I uh, I finally started the Rings of Power show a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. I've been getting through it and uh, just watched the, the episode where they, they reveal what the South Ends is. Like mm-hmm. the whole time, I'm mm-hmm. like, where the hell is this place supposed to be at? And then, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, makes a lot of sense. So. Makes
2: a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yes. Um, hopefully, you're enjoying it. I was kind of indifferent to the whole thing, um, but I'm very tough to please. The Lord of the Rings Die Hard, both sure. the books and the original trilogy.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it, I, I didn't really love how much it jumped around in the first few episodes, you know, and I still don't really understand, uh, you know, I'm like four, I think it's like six episodes in. Um, I'm definitely, I don't understand really the whole point of the, the little people and like the giant, like coming through the sky and everything. I don't know if they explain that. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know, we'll figure it out, but I just like, there was a lot of jumping around in the first two episodes. I'm like, okay, like Galadriel is clearly the main character. Like let's focus it on her mm-hmm. and let's focus in on Elrond. He's probably the second main character, but it was just, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of every, a lot of jumping around there. Yeah, definitely. I- I'm any guesses
2: who the, the guy from this guy is
1: no I, like i don't know i i i'm so like football right now that this is <laughs> this, this is not expected uh i'm sure we'll message about it afterwards we got alex in the chat you know talking anything about the charters but you know i always like to talk about fun things first you know it also gives people time to to, to start uh tuning in here you know we got stragglers coming in mm-hmm. and uh just kind of you know we're more than a football podcast we like things besides football
2: Yeah. Well, okay. I'll pivot back to football, which is not on the main (laughs) show today, but I did want to talk about it. And that's that. I, my favorite new off season storyline for the chargers is JC Jackson's recovery. Man, like, whatever you thought about last season, it's fair to say that it was a disappointment and he would tell you just as much. No one is more disappointed than him and the chargers. But now that we're heading into a new season, you know, I don't, I don't believe that he's going to play week one. And even if he does, it's not full speed, but man, watching him post those workouts and lift weights and run and just doing it all in chargers gear. Like how can you not, you know, get a little bit emotional about football and chargers football, um, both positive and negative sometimes. But in this case, it's like, yeah, hope is strong. Hope is a powerful thing. And really watching <laughs> him more, like do those
1: exercises gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. We got it. we got an Aaron Rodgers quote early in the podcast. Uh, it was not expecting that one. So what did um, I say? how can you not get emotional about football i think he said that after a sunday night football game oh man
2: no (laughs) dang it no darkness retreats for me i apologize no darkness
1: retreats no none at all um but no i couldn't agree more i mean i went through the same injury that jc Mm. is currently going through um you know mine happened after you know my i was in the spring of my senior season Mm -hmm. and uh you know it was it was a struggle man granted I, i didn't have the same kind of resources and everything like that but um, that injury recovery is so difficult because like you, you can't overcompensate one way or the other on your knee because what happened is literally in the middle of your knee so it's just like it's really strong it, it's a big struggle to be able to get back to like proper balance and everything like that and you know it just it's a struggle and so him Otito, who are going through this i know exactly what it's like and it is not fun so A lot of these professional athletes obviously go home, you know, to train and rehab and things like that. Um, But JC doing all of this in LA, I think is huge because I think it, you know, builds confidence within the room. I think it shows truly how committed he is to making this thing work. And I think people should be patient about this. Like, like I said, this is, this is a very grueling injury recovery. Anything he gives the Chargers in 2023 for me is just kind of gravy. Like, I think this is a, possible like redshirt season for jc but i love the fact that he's there in la i love the fact that he's working his tail off to be able to get back to form and so not expecting that to happen this year but this is good vibes for sure the fact that he's able to do all of these plyometrics and weightlifting already i think is a, is a huge huge sign for him
2: yeah all good vibes and good for him he'll never watch the
1: podcast but we're rooting for you <laughs> just asking answering a question so um fitness asking about i'm just gonna say it instead um so for me um so mine happened after my senior year when i was training um so i played football in the fall basketball in the winter and then when i was training in the spring that's when i ruptured my patella tendon was was doing like speed training things like that um so i didn't i i was able to keep my scholarship at community college but i didn't play at all because i was just recovering from from injury then I left on my LDS church mission and and didn't play bat football again after that. So, um, you know it's it's a it's a tough time. But granted, you know I was at community college. JC's in the NFL, so you know it's just a very grueling injury recovery for sure. And here you are. And here I am talking about football. You know, <laughs> you made it. I made it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jorge asking, did it hurt? And if so, how bad? One to ten uh it, it is the worst pain I have ever felt it's it's not a fun injury like I've had I've been knocked out with concussions before and I would rather get knocked out than have an injury like that again okay that injury or beating the Jaguars
2: <laughs> wait so we losing to you know sorry avoiding, worry, like, avoiding that injury
1: or beating the Jaguars or I mean avoid I'd rather avoid the injury of course cuz I probably would still I like could have played football so for selfish. my whole college career. <laughs> so selfish. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Had to you know got to do it for my family, you know. Oh, but true. in the end, you know, if I had if I kept playing football, I probably wouldn't have met Brooke. I would have gone somewhere else for college, so, you know, it all works out. Yeah, you could be an agent like Ken Francis now. <laughs> <laughs> what a story and then he's just like (laughs) promoting his invention or whatever oh my gosh yeah nfl offseason stuff it's great Mm -hmm. um all right so uh (laughs) that's obviously the pivot point today appreciate everybody (laughs) for sticking around so far um we are going to talk uh about the Austin eckler update obviously he went on the Greenlight podcast with chris long shout out to the blue wire family you know uh, chris long doing some great things for blue wire as one of the, the headliners of the company so appreciate him for Having Austin on there for uh, you know to provide some clarity on his situation. After we talk about some of the latest around Austin Eckler, we're going to rank the uh, top interior defensive lineman in this draft class, uh, which I do think is a pretty underrated need for the Chargers, given uh, again Otito's question mark in with his health and also Austin Johnson's, and they don't really have anybody anybody behind them. So um, definitely an underrated need, and we'll uh, we'll cover that in, in a minute here. So. Um, Just kind of the latest around Austin Eckler. I thought it was really refreshing to see him go on that podcast. And I think just kind of shows how aware of everything he is like people were like, Oh, like, how can he expect to do, do this? And like, how can he expect this? I think Austin Eckler is showing that he's extremely aware of the situation here mm-hmm. and he knows his value. And I think this is, this was a great way for him to go out and really kind of clear the air because I think anytime that there's a quote unquote trade request by these players, it's always like the first thought is like, oh, he hates being with that team. Like he doesn't want to play there anymore. And I think Austin Eckler clarified. I think this is an important thing to for everybody to kind of understand because he's he's been catching a lot of hate on social media. He wants to play for the Chargers. It's just that he wants to be given his proper value, which I think all of us should understand, right? Like we we all want to be paid proper value in whatever profession we are working in. And that's where Austin Eckler is at. Like I think he he understands his value to the chargers and he wants to be properly compensated and he wants to stay with the chargers.
2: Yeah. And, and we had heard as much. And then I believe Tom Pelissero on good morning football or wherever it was, came out and said as much like, yeah, Austin Eckler wants to be with the chargers and the chargers want Austin Eckler, you know, neither sides want to depart. It just comes down yeah. to, you know, this particular thing, which, you know, both sides are right in wanting. I don't want to pay you this much, but I deserve this much. I totally get both sides. Um, it, it was definitely notable to hear that he did, you know, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to play here for the chargers. And so if yeah. nobody takes me, this is where I'll be and I'll go score another 20 touchdowns if I need to. And then <laughs> hit flex, free agency. Sure. Definitely. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I will say I felt really bad watching the podcast and, and not the podcast, but the section where Eckler was talking about his trade in the situation, because you could just see the despair in the whole situation for him talking about himself, talking about the market. Like if you had a a player, most players, you score 40 touchdowns in two seasons and have 3000, whatever it is, total yards in two seasons. Excuse me. That person, that player, you know, let's say it's a receiver should get paid a ton. I mean, Austin Eckler yeah. contributed a whole heck of a lot more to the offense overall than Mike Williams, than Keenan Allen. And yet, you know, they're paid twice as much, if not three times as much as yeah. him. Now, granted, that is the contract that they negotiated, you know, years and years ago, four, three, four years ago, um, now, but the situation is just so desperate and he knows it. You know, they asked him, like, you know, where would you go? Where would you play? And he's like, I don't know, maybe one team that decides to pay for that much, but who's going to do yeah. it? He's openly admitting that he's probably not going to get paid. Like he knows he can be. A number one option on some team in terms of like feature, maybe, and he kind of was that for the Chargers last year when so many guys got hurt. Yeah, but like no one's going to pay him to do a whole lot more. It's really, really unfortunate that that's where the running back market is. Um, nobody in this market even got to hit free agency to reset that market. It was all just guys making you know four million, six million at best, average per year, or getting tagged. And so the market just stinks. And to me, yeah. You know, again, unless one team, and he even said as much, I guess it just takes one team. But unless one team really wants to get this done, I think he's back here with the Chargers. I think that they know that there's really nothing out there for him. And even if there is, like, do we really think he's playing on the same contract in 2025? No, there's almost no point. Like, yeah, you can go out and go say, hey, look, my contract is now $10 million APY. But is it, is it really, you know, the way the contract is structured? No. Like, he's going to have his contract this year. Maybe he'll make some money next year. And then they're cutting him anyway. So even if he gets the raise that he wants, is he really getting the raise that he wants? And the answer is no. So maybe he gets something in 2024, but that's about it. So I feel bad. Yeah. He's worth a lot more than he's getting paid. I know he said, I'm worth double. I don't <laughs> know if he literally means 6.25 times 2. Um, I had not heard, because like, that would make him top 5. Um, in terms of APY, I had not heard like that was the target, but certainly something
1: above double digits. Yeah. You know, like he said, you know, to your point, when Chris Long asked him about like the running back position being devalued and he was like, Oh, it's, it's brutal out here. And I think he's right. Like, I think the league has really trended away from running backs. And I think part of it is, you know, there's so many in the draft class each year and you get them for basically for free then you can franchise tag them, and then you move on, right? And you, it's just the most cost-controlled position out there, and it, it's extremely important. So, you know, you look at the market, the way that it played itself out this year, you know, the best thing possible for Austin Eckler would have been, you know, Saquon Barkley getting an extension, Tony Pollard getting an extension, and those things could still happen, and, and maybe that kind of drives Austin Eckler's price up a little bit, but they got tagged, and then everybody else under that signed for less. And also you look at the running backs who are ahead of the tag. You know, Joe Mixon was probably the second best running back on his team last year. Like Samaj P. Ryan was more effective on a per play basis. Uh, you know, obviously Ezekiel Elliott, they just, he just got cut because Tony Pollard outperformed him. You know, Dalvin Cook, there's been so much talk of the Vikings trying to get rid of him because he's already started to fall off of a cliff. So, you know, it, it is unfortunate. I, I do think that Austin Eckler has, you know, a couple more years of, of good football left and he takes so much care of his body. And, you know, I, I don't think there's been a ton of wear and tear on his body because, you know, the, for the first three years of his career, he was mostly just the receiving back. And so, you know, I, I think he does have a lot of good football left in him. And, and there's always this, this stigma around him that he's, he's a weapon, he's a pass catcher. And it's like, yeah, he is that hundred percent. But if you actually watch like Austin Eckler between the tackles, he's very, very good at it. And, you know, his yards per contact after attempt has been top 15 in the league over the last two years. So it's not like he's James white out there, you know, just only, only uh, catching passes and providing value that way. He is really good in between the tackles. And by the way, he's probably one of the best pass protecting backs in the league that too. And so he has so much value to the chargers. And like, I know he hasn't like rushed for over a thousand yards by any means, but it's not really his fault. I mean, <laughs> there were like six games last year where Joe Lombardi just didn't give a shit about running the football and it was the same thing in 2021. So I think Austin Eckler has a lot of good football left. I think the chargers not, uh, not extending him. I understand like where they're coming from, but to me, like it just makes so much sense for them to get this deal done and, and, and do an extension i know people will hate extending a running back but Mm -hmm. i think chargers fans have become a little bit too jaded after that after that playoff playoff loss and i get Mm -hmm. it but people are out here talking about oh he's not really an rb1 he can't really run the football he's just a pass catcher like they'll be fine without him I, i just disagree man like it Yeah, tell me how many running backs over the last three years have been able to put together seventeen hundred yards from scrimmage and twenty touchdowns? Like it's, it's so hard to do what he is doing, and you know that's why you don't see many players like him. Like you've got to be either a guy like Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara, and then Austin Eckler. Like he's been right there with Mm -hmm. all of those guys in terms of production. Like to me, it just it just doesn't make any sense why people are talking about like releasing him like I'll oh, get him off the team already like he's been one of the best running backs in the league last year like sure it doesn't look necessarily like 100% what you picture like with everything but like he's a he's an elite runner and an elite pass catcher so to me I think he's being devalued by the market and I think he's also being devalued by Chargers fans
2: I would completely agree with that it's interesting what happens when it, it, it did kind of start with that Herbert First take or not first take, first things first thing with Skip Bayless, Same where thing. <laughs> whatever, yes, tomato, tomato, um, where he didn't quite back up Herbert and people thought he threw him under the bus. Yeah. Really, ever since then, and with this, it's like I don't know, fans have just found ways to devalue what he brings. And like, what is Bijan Robinson's ceiling this year with the Chargers? Is it 1500 total yards and 20 touchdowns? Like, <laughs> like. Bijan could have that's a that's offensive rookie of the year, potentially, right? Yeah. But that's what Austin Eckler has brought to the Chargers two years in a row. So again, I, I hope for more. And clearly the, the difference is the contract and how much you're paying that player. But then of course, vice versa, there's a first round investment in that and not in something else. With Austin Eckler, like I, I get that he's not a featured 15 hard 100 yard rushing running back. Um, you know, he, if he got twice what his APY is. I believe that's above or at Nick Chubb. Is he like that as a runner? No, but you know, this whole notion that he doesn't bring a whole lot, go right. watch. Like, I know he scores a lot from the one or the two, but go watch those plays. Like go watch those touchdowns. He's not walking in for free. Oh, yeah, free touchdown. Yay. You know, things are easy for me. Nothing really was easy at the goal line for him. There are several moments where guys are beats at the line, typically the tight ends, or it's just good defense, and he has to fight and fight and fight to get that one yard, to get those two yards. There are several games last year where if Austin Eckler doesn't muscle forward for far more than he's expected to, they don't win, or they at least don't score, and they don't score as much. Um, I really think Austin Eckler, again, not a pure rusher sort of type, but I don't think we should devalue what he can do. Again, the numbers do say that he's not as great when things aren't perfectly blocked. And I I get that, and we've seen that, but there's so much that he does bring. And then again, yeah, at worst-case scenario, excellent pass protector, excellent as a receiver. So I just hope Chargers fans aren't devaluing what he's doing just because he's asking for more. And frankly, kind of what he's worth, he just can't get paid that much. He, he He is worth double. It's just nobody wants to pay him that and really you know, the market really shouldn't or team shouldn't pay him that. But hopefully Chargers fans aren't forgetting just how good he is.
1: Yeah, you know, like, I think if you want to have a fair conversation about him as a runner, I think we can do that, right? Like, I don't think he's an elite runner of the football, but I still think he's very, very good at running the football. And it's funny to me how it's like, you know, people will try and look at his receiving production and be like, well, you know, he's not as good as those those other guys, because, you know, he's not as good a runner. But it's like, I mean, he caught 100 passes last year. He got 85 before the, the year before that. So it's it just like I don't understand this this desire to constantly devalue what Austin Eckler is. I absolutely agree that the team needs a second back to go with him. I absolutely agree mm-hmm. that the Chargers have not been able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But to sit here and be like, oh, Austin Eckler is like a below average runner, like so therefore he's not a true running back, it, it doesn't make any sense to me you know, if you actually watch the games where he's being fed touches, like actual, like rushing touches, you know, he he's a great runner. Like, I think that's the thing that people don't understand is like his statistics could be significantly better. If he had an offensive coordinator who could consistently call rushing plays the right way, you know, or a run game coordinator to consistently, you know, dial up a proper run scheme and a consistent blocking tight end instead of the worst blocking tight ends in the league. So, you know yes mm-hmm. like i agree he's not like he's not a better runner of the football than saquon he's not a better runner fo- runner of mm-hmm. the football than nick chubb but to sit here and act like he's one of the worst runners in the league like i don't i don't understand that that sentiment that's going around on social media
2: no not at all and and i do want to also open up this part of the conversation with with Bijan at 21 sure. guys i i don't think he's there <laughs> we keep you know I, Popper did a mock today, and everyone's like, Well, why not Bijan or Nolan Smith? Guys, those two guys aren't going to be there at 21. If they are, great, but we're leaning towards like the 3% chance that it happens. And I don't want to be on this pod talking about the things that I don't think are going to happen. So you're letting Austin, fans are letting Austin Eckler go in their minds to get Bijan, but he won't, like, I don't think he's going to be there. A lot of people assume he is because the simulators say that, but this is like a top five prospect in the draft and if you take away like you know if you bring him down a bit because of positional value top 15 is he 21st in this draft no he's not you know and again strange things can happen i I totally get that but again we're leaning towards like the three to five percent chance that he is there and you just can't do that you can't get rid of austin eckler Hoping for Bijan Robinson, and I pray to God they don't trade up for a running back in this draft. <laughs> and and so for Chargers fans, I ask you, like, if you think Austin Eckler should be gone, and I and I get it. What is the plan? What is right. the plan that it's not Bijan Robinson because he's not going to be there? Or you at least should be preparing as if he's not. The Chargers trading Eckler and just assuming Bijan's going to be there at twenty-one is a horrible idea. You can't do that. So what is your plan? And I would love to know from Chargers fans what the plan actually is. Okay, so now you take, let's say, a receiver in round one. Are you now burning a second round pick on Jameer Gibbs or Tajay Spears? Is it that simple? I don't know. I don't really think it's that simple. It makes a lot of sense if Bijan Robinson is there. If you tell me he's there, okay, totally get it. But we're dealing in something that I don't believe is going to happen. And Chargers fans are really comfortable with just saying that Bijan's going to be there so Eckler can go where you really shouldn't be. And I know mock
1: simulators say that. I don't yeah. buy it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think there's a chance that he's there at 21, right? But I think everything that you hear about this draft class is that there's like 12, 13 like, top-tier players in this class, and Bijan mm-hmm. is one of them. Like Absolutely. I, I totally agree with Chargers fans that Bijan would be a great pick for the Chargers. But he'd be a great pick for every other team, too. Like, Right. <laughs> you know, like, this is, I don't know, like, if you're picking in, like, the 12, 13, 14 range, and you're looking at, like, the second tier of offensive tackles, or you're looking at, like, the second tier of corners, or second tier of pass rushers, a lot of teams who say that they are best player available are going to look at B. John Robinson and go, yeah, I'm going to take the blue chip talent, even if he's a running back. Like, totally. I, I, I'm not banking on it either. And I think, you know, banking on uncertain things is how you become a worse football team. And I just like, I think Austin Eckler is too valuable right now to this team specifically, who's supposedly all in right now on 2023 exactly to just Mm -hmm. get rid of and say, yeah, we're just going to find the solution in the draft. What evidence do we have that this team can properly evaluate running backs in the draft and properly insert them into lineups and get elite production out of them? Mm -hmm. and again if you want to have that conversation about austin eckler being not being an elite running back i get it i agree i think he's probably like top 10 or 12 in in terms of like pure rushing ability Mm -hmm. but the chargers don't have that other guy on the spot like there's nobody behind him that can replace his production and if you draft Bijan robinson like sure like he's an elite player but like if you get zach Charbonnet, he's not the pass catcher that you know austin eckler is if you get J spears like you know, there's some injury concerns you dare. there. <laughs> you know, if you get Jameer Gibbs, he's absolutely not the kind of runner that Austin Eckler is. So it's like there's a there's so much uncertainty here. If you trade Austin Eckler, then and I just like I I don't get it. Like you're you're talking about making the Chargers worse by trading Austin Eckler. It's just much easier to me to solve this solution. And if that solution is him being a free agent after the season, great, whatever, go forward. Mm-hmm. But the Chargers are not going to get better by getting rid of Austin Eckler.
2: Yeah, uh, and I do think that's inevitably what happens. To me, it's just kind of like this has to get done before the draft because then you, I'm not yeah. saying these players are Austin Eckler, and we've we we all agree, right? We can't even say that Bijan Robinson is going to be Austin Eckler because, again, 1,500 total yards and 20 touchdowns is a lot for a running back to come in and do. But after the draft, you know, these guys have their Gibbs, they have Spears, they have Charbonnet, they they have um, Robinson, they have whoever, and they're starting to kind of round out their running back rooms. I don't know what his value would be at that point. Like who wants to pay more by that point? Once you have, you know, a couple of running backs you've added or a blue chip running back you've added. I don't know. So to me, you know, Pelissero said this could take weeks, if not months. Yeah. To me, if this isn't done before the draft, I think he's on the charges
1: this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, this, this solution probably needs to happen before the draft to give this team some flexibility, you know, and we'll see what that is. I think Austin Eckler pointed out one of the key things to this situation also being the fact that he doesn't have any guarantees on this contract. You know, he has zero guaranteed dollars. So um people are all hot and bothered by him holding out and it's like, or not holding out, requesting the trade, but he's a running back who has zero guaranteed money on this current season. You know, so I think he's been incredibly durable, right? Like I think he'll be able to stay healthy, but let's say for example, you know, he, you know sprains his mcl or something in week 2 right and he misses seven games that means he's making significantly less money than his contract is stating because right now it's all incentives it's all bonuses it's all tied into actually being on the field and so he there's such a high risk for him playing on this current contract because he doesn't have any guaranteed money left and i think that is something that is is kind of an understated aspect of this whole thing too
2: yeah and there's a bit of precedent there with melvin ingram i believe ingram was also a free agent the following year as well although ingram was holding out because of those guarantees eckler just wants a raise that's kind of a little bit different he wants the extension with the raise ingram would just kind of one of those guarantees and he was on the field um, but still there is a precedent there for them taking care of that part um i just i don't think that's gonna be enough but it is certainly an aspect to consider
1: yeah and to this point really quickly um a lot of people saying like, oh, he's gonna, he's not going to produce as much in, in this next offense. We don't know that, right? Keenan Allen and Mike Williams each missed like half the season last year, you know? And that's <laughs> yeah. the reason why he said he had so many receptions because Justin Herbert literally had no other options. Mm-hmm. And again, like the Chargers do not make the playoffs without Austin Eckler being the kind of receiving back that he is. So, um, you know, Eckler is probably the guy who I would most credit with like keeping the offense afloat while Keenan and Mike were all struggling with injuries, because he was he was the most constant presence on the offense. I mean, Corey Lindsay was in and out. Mike mm-hmm. Keenan and Mike were in and out. Gerald Everett was kind of struggling with some drops at some points. Obviously, Justin Herbert and his injuries. So Austin Eckler was the best player on offense last year, at least the most consistent.
2: Yeah, uh, I see what you mean. I don't remember what I ended up having him. I think I had him fourth or fifth or whatever in our, our top 10 or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I just, it's tough to let somebody like that go. And yeah, he had to carry the team quite a bit. And so I, I honestly, am I paying him double? No, but I, I would up it a little bit. And the Chargers have the cap space to do it, um, at least for this year. You know, I'd up things a little bit to make things work because I I don't want to let go of a top five player on this team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's a compromise in here and I think the Chargers will will ultimately get it done. I just don't think that he's going to get the kind of contract that he wants, which is, you know, it's fair. But if you're, if you're him and you get a fully guaranteed 2023 out of this, I think that's kind of a, a worthwhile thing for him.
2: Yeah, good point.
1: All right, any other thoughts here about uh, Austin Eckler and his uh, media appearance, kind of clarifying that whole situation?
2: Not necessarily. I just I hope the running back market improves. You know, we have I have at least Arjun always in my ear buzzing about, you know, just like don't pay running backs. Don't (laughs) take running backs early. And that's kind of the market is. But, you know, overall, Austin Ackler means a lot to this team has meant a lot
1: to Chargers fans. And I hope that there's at least some happiness at the end of the tunnel for him. Yeah. I, I, the running back market needs some correcting because, you know, I I think the way that it's been in this free agency cycle is not really indicative of the value of the position. Like I, like I understand, I think paying, you know, Joe Mixon, that kind of contract is, is probably a little ridiculous, but you know, to sit here and act like guys like Saquon and Josh Jacobs, like they're only worth, you know, like a $10 million contract, I think is a little silly to me too. And same thing with Austin Eckler. Like, I, I think there's there's a balance here of like paying elite running backs. I'm not saying get crazy about it. Like Ezekiel Elliott's his contract was probably pretty freaking crazy, and it was crazy. But I think there's there's a point where this this needs some correcting in terms of like properly evaluating running backs
0: too.
2: Yeah, I, I, who's well, other than the the tagged players, who's the big free agent next year?
1: Um. Let's see. I mean, obviously, obviously, Austin Eckler would be a free agent. Austin ID Eckler. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, if Jacobs is another 2000 yard
1: season. Yeah. All those guys point. that would be that get ta that are tagged and that don't get a long-term deal.
2: Okay, butters ID. I see you. The helmet's moving too fast.
1: Can
2: I slow it down?
1: Uh, it's so running, running backs. Sorry. Sorry about that. Running back's currently slated for free agency in 2024. Again, all of those three that we talked about, Austin Eckler, uh, Derek Henry is a free agent, um, Cordero Patterson, Gus Edwards, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor. Um, This is just going off of current APY. J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson. Jeez Louise. Joshua Kelly. (laughs) Larry Roundtree. <laughs> we 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 dropped off a bit there after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kept scrolling down, but I mean, you're talking about Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, AJ mm-hmm. Dillon. Um, you know the guys who are on currently on one of year deals. You know, Damien Harris, Deontay mm. Foreman. You know, guys who were drafted in 2020. Uh, 20. So this is this is a a really good you know intriguing. Uh, running back free agency group next year. If these guys don't get you know long term deals sorted out before then,
2: I wonder if it's better. I'd have to ask Arjun is it better to hit free agency when the market like that's going to change the market? It sounds like something like that next year, as long as these guys don't get tagged again, or you know, half the guys don't get tagged. It sounds like you're going to see some market changes. So, I mean, honestly, I wonder if it's better for Eckler to just play out this contract and then when everyone who has similar stats or honestly worse stats than you granted maybe they're younger gets that bag and starts resetting that market towards maybe more more, where more, more of where McCaffrey is wow yeah. then you know is that better to hit the market then
1: I don't know yeah certainly could be either way I, I do think this probably does drag on past the draft you know I think we're probably headed towards a hold-in scenario which
0: you know is what it is Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Yippee.
1: <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's switch gears here. We're going to discuss our rankings for the interior defensive linemen. Um, again, I do think this is an underrated need for the Chargers. There is some uncertainty, obviously, within the room with Austin Johnson and Tito Agonia. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily uh, super guaranteed to have you know a fully healthy season. And then obviously, Morgan Fox's deal is it's kind of a one-year deal. You know, we'll see what happens there with with them yeah. being cash-strapped next year. Um, so really, I think the only one that we can truly say the only two I should say that are, we can really say are definitely going to be on the roster next year are Sebastian Joseph day and Otito Agonia. So they need some long-term help in this position at, at mm-hmm. this position of group too. So again, as we always do, we're, we're doing a top eight plus one, just missed. So Tyler, uh why don't you kick us off with your just missed defensive tackle? Okay. He was on here until I, or he was on my top eight until I found one more player.
2: Um, but I have Byron young from Alabama. Mm. Um, did I definitely look up the Tennessee edge rusher too many times? Yeah, on accident. Oops. <laughs> same, same. I was like, oh, wait, no, wrong guy. Um, this is your... I played in the SEC, and I can take on double teams as a you know really, really plus upside run defender type. By the way, just in general, I kind of like this interior defensive lineman class, sort of like okay. I like the wide receiver class in the sense that I don't love the guys up top, but I kind of like some guys in the middle here. I feel like more then last year when I, my eighth player was like a pure nose with like zero athleticism and he's 400 pounds. Um, I feel like (laughs) nothing wrong with that. But this year I feel like I like some more of the guys Um, with, with anyway, with young, I feel like it's less about the traits or upside and just pure and simple being a really good run defender right from the jump, which I think some guys in this class, it's tough. Like they specialize maybe more as a rusher or maybe as a run defender. Young to me is, is more of that run defender type. Um, I do think he sheds a lot better than a lot of guys in this class. I find that there are some guys with a ton of pop um, who can stack pretty well, but there's really no shed that follows. And I think he's someone that is a a well-coached player, of course, from Alabama. um, Plays with plenty of power, plenty of pop in his hands. Um, I, I just think like the reason he's ninth for me and not higher is unlike some guys I have later, I just don't know how much of a development he's going to have as a pass rusher. Not that he can't. I just... Feel like those guys I see a, a bit more in certain respects um, that I have later on, um, but he's a solid run defender who plays the tail off, does the dirty work as a well-coached player. Uh, really solid guy.
1: Yeah, I like Byron Young quite a bit, uh, especially as a potential fit for the Chargers because I do think like they they need some help there. Um, so he's he's higher on my list. I do I do think that he's he's got a little bit more pass rush, obviously not a ton, but I think he's actually really good on stunts and everything like that too. So I'm I'm a yes, fan of is. his. Um, really quickly about defensive lineman. Have you watched much Florida defensive tape this year? Uh, yeah. Why? Have you seen the, the big, the huge number 21 that plays nose tackle for them? I did not key on him specifically. No. Well, so, I mean, obviously Utah played Florida and so I've, uh-huh. I've seen him and then obviously watched his, his tape a little bit. Um, so he, last year, I think he played at like three fifty. Oh, like he's huge. Like if you turn on Florida defensive tape, you'll know who I'm talking about. Okay. Apparently he gained like 30 pounds in the off season too. Woo. Like the dude is massive out there and uh, he's in the draft next year. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but gotcha. Um, just had to throw that in. Um, This is a player for me who just missed. Uh, I really wanted to be in on him. I think some of the flashes on tape are very, very enticing, but then he just kind of went and tested like extremely poorly. And that's Siaki Ika from mm. Baylor. Um, you want to talk about a true nose. I think that's really what he is. I think there is some pass rush intrigue for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, I don't know if that athleticism is really going to translate to really being like a more than just a nose. So I think he can stack and shed pretty well. I think he has Mm -hmm. some, some really interesting quickness about him. Uh, he is from Utah. Shout out. Also went to my parents high school, East high school in Salt Lake city. (laughs) Okay. Um, but I just I don't know if there's like enough athletic traits for for me to be super in on Siaki Ika. I wish I could be because I think a lot of his tape is very fun. Um, but I just I don't know how well he's going to translate to the next level. So I wanted to mention him. Um, but yeah, definitely in the in the just miss category for me.
2: Nice. I did not watch him, I did not get to him, so I'll definitely have to do that. Real quick, also, I I stayed away from this player because I as a defensive tackle, I should say, because you did. Um, but the USC Defender and then yeah. somebody else, we kind of
1: would switch them more to edge rather than interior defensive linemen. Yeah, good point. Tuli, Tuli Pelotu for me is an edge rusher. um Same with Mike Morris from Michigan. I think a lot of yeah. people have both of those guys pegged as interior rushers. I think that's kind of the hard part of like the way that, you know, the Vic Vangio tree has kind of taken over the NFL is mm-hmm. like everybody kind of pegs like bigger defensive linemen. Oh, they're going to kick in and they'll play five tech, four eye. And that's not necessarily what these guys do well. Like, I think to me, you know, Tuli Thule is is best on the edge because I think he does have some really nice quickness to him. And I think his work against guards was kind of underwhelming in my opinion. And same thing with Mike Morris. I think the best thing that Mike Morris does is control the edge of the line of scrimmage Mm. in the run game. Like, I think you want to take advantage of what these players do well. And I think that both of those two are, are better on the edge than they are on the interior maybe they can develop that right mm-hmm. but for me like when i see a player who's very clearly more comfortable on the edge than inside i think it, I, i'm hard-pressed to say yeah i'm gonna, like he's 275 so i'm just going to kick him inside i don't think that's <laughs> advantageous for either of those two players
2: yeah definitely so I, I didn't watch either of those two guys because of what you had said so people are wondering where they are um i get it like and again like some guys have really good numbers but as that edge rusher type so that's why we don't have them on here i'm guessing
1: yeah uh no i don't have either one either of them on there um carl brooks from bowling green his numbers are fantastic i have not hmm. been able to get to bowling green tape just yet um so i, I like i think he's, he's his numbers are great he did really well at the senior bowl um but yeah was not able to get my hands on bowling green tape so he's another one who will not be on my list but he probably does like if i'm able to get some some bowling green bowling green tape he probably does end up on the list later on Yes, there's a couple on there. I'll say that
2: much. <laughs> All right, Tyler, you want to go 8 uh, through 6 right here? Sure. So I have at number 8, Wisconsin's Keon, Keanu Benton. It's two E's, yep. Um, wow, I can't type. Wisconsin. <laughs> this is really rough, guys. Uh, really rough. Sorry for the audio audience. Uh, number 7, I have Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. Okay. Who... I, he's definitely the most asterisk of this group as an edge rusher versus interior defensive lineman um but i do think he can make it work um and then number six i have javon dexter so i don't want to give it away but yes i did watch florida
1: okay. um, <laughs> in this
2: particular case i watched javon dexter from florida and that's my eight through six um so i'll talk about carl brooks because the first two plays i watched of him he was lined up in the a gap i'm like okay cool i'm settling for an you know, an interior defensive lineman guy here. Great. You know, I didn't check his, I kind of knew the stats, but I didn't really check the alignment. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, and then the third play I watched, he was a stand-up edge rusher and he bull rushes a tackle right back as a, to pressure the quarterback. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what we're doing here, but all right. And he just plays all over the defensive line, which again, he's again, the most asterisk player of this group. Um, so you want him in the A gap. You want him rushing from a four point stance. You want him from a wide nine. You know, he's your defensive tackle, edge rusher, outside linebacker type. He can play some nose. You can play some three, whatever, like you can move him all over the offensive line. And he was a lot of fun Um, and and he wins with so many different sort of things, if you will, all while being the guy that everyone else focuses on. Um, Maybe Bowling Green has other players that I don't know about. But I don't think the other teams knew that because all they did was just send three guys towards <laughs> him, two guys towards him. Yeah. And he was surprisingly effective. And I think he got a of the stat line, finished with 69 pressures uh, on the season last year. Nice. So got to be cool with that. Um, you know, again, some people have him list him as a defensive end, depending on which simulator you go to. Like you can't even mock him yeah. technically as a defensive uh, tackle. Yeah. So it really just kind of depends there. Um, but I, I would have him listed sort of as a three tech that you can do a lot of things with. Um, definitely not the strongest anchor down guy, but you know, I, I, he's someone that I would love to pair with someone like maybe a Jay Rogers. I, I'll take anyone on this list and pair him with Jay Rogers, frankly. Sure. Everyone I watched, it's like, yeah, Jay Rogers, get this guy. Um, so refining yeah. that technique could definitely go a long way. Um, but I didn't see any issue with level of competition. And in terms of level of competition, you want to see these guys dominate. And he had 105 pressures, 20 sacks, 62 run stops, and three forced fumbles the last two years. So yeah maybe there's some level of competition concerns but he crushed it it's not like this is he's playing you know junior college and we're trying to figure out where he fits here like he played some legit competition um and so i think he's really really intriguing he's only at seven for me though because of the question marks and because of the fit potentially yeah. um but he's definitely a guy that i would be very very curious about
1: yeah that's that's another thing with these guys who are like maybe they're an edge rusher maybe they're an interior rusher you know, like straight up defensive tackles have a hard transition, like guys who have been in the trenches their whole careers. It's it's a bigger transition than people think. So, you know, talking about these smaller guys who are kind of edge defensive tackle hybrids, like getting in and being a three down into your defensive lineman, like that's, that's a tough, uh, a tougher transition than people think. So I, again, I haven't watched Carl Brooks. He doesn't, he has not made my list yet. Um, But I think he would absolutely fit for the Chargers, you know, if he's able to kind of Stick around to maybe you know early day three because they do need more pass rush. Like you know Morgan Fox is really their only bona fide interior pass rusher, so getting him in that room I think would be a lot of sense. Would make a lot of sense. And then, like you said, you know getting him with Jay Rogers, maybe you get him with Coach Ed too down the road. <laughs> um, that would be <laughs> a nice thing. Um, all right, so for me uh, at number eight I have Moro Ojomo from mm-hmm. Texas. I know he's a. Uh, I know Gavino from Chargers Wire is a, is a big fan of his um and then let me make sure i have these right on my lists okay yep okay number seven i have byron young who made your mm-hmm. list at number nine i guess and then number six is where i have keanu benton from mm-hmm. wisconsin mm-hmm. so i'll talk about moro ojomo because he's another one who i think would be an intriguing target for the chargers because i think he does have some pass rush juice. There's not a ton of refinement here. Like he's he's not somebody that has like great hand usage, mm-hmm. but to me, like looking at these guys and looking at who was like consistently quickest off the ball, and like very oh. aggressive at at you know uh, knifing through gaps, like that's more Ojomo o- to me. And his numbers are really good. Um, a lot of it is just like sheer athleticism based. But, you know, I think that gives you an idea of what kind of ceiling he has too, because he's, he's producing at Texas. Like, it's not like he is producing at, you know, a tiny, tiny school, but, you know, he's got really solid pass rush production. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential there in terms of his hand usage. So again, another person who could make a lot of sense for the chargers, because there's some refinement that needs to to happen and getting him in a room, you know, learning from Morgan Fox, uh, being coached by Jay Rogers. Like that's a great situation for a young player to come into. So Um, you know, run defense is kind of a concern, but when he is able to get under the pads of blockers, Mm -hmm. he has really strong grip strength. So I think the technique refinement needs to happen in the run too, but like he shows really flashes of being like a truly dominant run defender. It's just that he's, he's kind of unsure about himself and unsure to really kind of my hand placement. Like, where do I, where do I go here? This is a zone run. How is this different from a gap run? So Mm -hmm. just like overall technique refinement can really help him. But I think the flashes here are very, very intriguing. It's just a matter of like getting him in the right situation, which I think makes him lower. So Byron Young, Keanu Benson, I think are very similar players. Um, Both kind of Mm -hmm. three tech, four technique, run defenders, guys who are going to consistently stack and shed. Um, I do think Benton has a little bit more pass rush juice. I think his arms are are longer as well. So I think there is some intrigue from Keanu Benton as a pass rusher, but, um, you know, get him as a three-tech, four-tech, very similar to, like, an Austin Johnson to me watching him. Mm. Um, and I think both of those players would, would you know, kind of elevate the floor a little bit of the Chargers defensive line. But I like both players, run defenders for sure. Uh, Keanu Benton does have more pass rush juice, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Ojomo would be 10th on my list out of the 10 guys that I have. Um, Ojomo is... is a lot of his lightning in the bottle lightning quick yeah I don't know how you want to say it but he's like, a jitterbug for sure he's definitely a jitterbug that's a perfect way to put it like he just is so much fun to watch chase dudes down like yeah. listen these are big dudes having to do a lot of work against other big dudes but then he's running down wide receiver screens or he's chasing things um uh, you know backside of the run i'm like wow this guy is flying all over the place uh, i think you said it perfectly this guy has a ton of tools great traits You just got to develop him. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, he wins when he wins. It's awesome. Um, It wasn't really like incredible or as consistent enough, obviously for me to put him on the list, but I think he's really a player that like you'd love to develop because there's a lot of fun stuff there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. So you want to go five through three? Sure. Yeah. um, At number three is going to be a guy that I'll talk about. Um, I I just, I got to talk about him. So at number five, I'm surprised, but Kalaja can um, from Pittsburgh, because he was a player I thought would be higher, um, but yeah, you know, I, I still really like him. But we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, a number four, Mozzie Smith, from <laughs> Michigan, who I I really really liked, and I had him at, at number three until I got to my guy Tommy, or as people like to say, Adi Tamwa, Adi Tamwa, Adibare. Very nice. Well done. Um, goodness gracious. That's a tough one. And. Yeah, and he go he went by Tommy sometimes. So if I start calling him Tommy, it's not because I'm lazy. Add <laughs> A-D-E-B-A-W-O-R-E. I got it. Okay, from Northwestern. Okay. It was all Mousy Smith for me or, or Kalajikansi until the last player that I watched, um, and I only watched him because I saw you had watched him because I think some people had designated him maybe as, a, as an edge rusher, defensive yeah. end type. But uh, he's not really good at that. To, my, to be completely honest, um, <laughs> no. as an edge rusher, I was like, I don't know if I buy it. But as what he can potentially do as a defensive tackle, this is my man crush of the group. I absolutely loved watching this guy. I mean, he, he's third. Right? He's not like he's you know Jalen Carter over here. Um, not a good edge rusher. Um, they even tried to make him stand up and rush or, or drop into coverage. But it wasn't quite working for him. To me, what he'll do... Is be a great defensive tackle in my opinion. This is a this is a menace, um, fast as hell off the line, which is evident in some freakish four four nine forty that he ran. Um, this is a former state champion shot putter, tested ninety eighth percentile or better in all seven you know athletic categories of what is it? Explosion, speed, and agility. Um, almost thirty four inch arms, and I, this is not my comparison. This is not my comparison, folks. But his RAS comps are Ed Oliver and Aaron Donald. And I'm not saying he's those players, (laughs) but if you want to bet on a guy in some trades, I'm going with this guy Uh, blew up the senior bowl practices, um, voted national team defensive lineman practice player of the week, which seems so specific, but Hey, you know, it's good to be named that. I don't know if that was Travis Jones last year. I could be wrong. Um, But this dude just shows off athleticism all game long um, in the games that I watched, And he's really good. I found this is the case for a lot of guys that I was watching that I, I didn't see um with him is that some guys when it comes to the run game like they just don't have that nimbleness to make to get the running back to chase down the running back to adjust whatever and i feel like edubware i'm gonna butcher this guy i'm so sorry
1: um, no, i think that i think that's actually really good
2: sure i'll, I'll go with it I'll, I'll just keep nodding and pretending but if i'm messing I'm <laughs> it up, i apologize uh he just is so nimble so good he can stack he can shed he's athletic he can move all over you want to work him laterally? He can do that. He's the fastest guy off the line. Um, he's got power to him. I think you refine him as a defensive tackle. He's going to be awesome. And I, I really liked Kansi. I really liked Smith. And then I watched, okay, Addie Tomiwa and I thought, man, this guy like, is he the most refined guy? Is he a better run defender than like a Mozzie Smith? No. Um, could you even say he's a better pass rusher right now than Cansey? Maybe not. But man, do I want to bet? on these
1: traits right here. I really, really like him. No, I, I totally understand that. It was it was tough for me to see the vision with him because, you know, I, the first game I watched was Wisconsin from this year, and it was, like, exclusively edge. And yeah. it was not pretty. Like, Wisconsin said, we're going running that direction every <laughs> single chance we get. You know, the tight ends were blocking him off the ball. So it, it was not pretty watching him as an edge rusher. I think he's just really uncomfortable in that space. Um, I'm a little concerned about him potentially two gapping, which is unfortunately what the chargers do on defense. Um, but if you want to get him as like an aggressive three tech, I think that would be a fantastic way for him to play. Like, if this were Gus Bradley's defense and he just wanted guys to hmm. shoot gaps, I think Tommy Atabuari I'm not, I, I haven't gotten the first name down yet, but Atabuari, I think is how you say it. I think he'd be a great fit in like a four three. Scheme that really lets him just kind of pin his ears back and go. So mm-hmm. um, definitely do not see Aaron Donald. Um, Ed no. Oliver I can understand though. Ed Oliver I think yeah. I could get behind. Um, and Oliver is not like a great player, but he's he's very very good. And if Atabuari ends up as Ed Oliver, I think you have a, a hit for sure because you know you're talking probably about a second round pick. Um, you know, again, maybe you get him in, into this kind of world with Jay Rogers and all these guys. Maybe that kind of becomes a little bit of a different scenario, but to me, I, I, I question his fit for the chargers, but I think once you figure out what he is and what he is as like a three tech aggressive defensive lineman, Mm -hmm. I think you you can definitely see the vision there and that that's how it was for me. Right. And that's why it's important to watch multiple games. Like Mm -hmm. I had to go back and watch some 2021 tape to really get a feel for him. And once I did, you know, I was able to get around, but um, if you're going to ask him to be, you know, like a lot of people will say like, Oh, his best role is to be, you know an edge rusher on first down and then kick inside i i don't want that no. i think you want him purely as an aggressive 3 tech 4 tech and i think you can do work that way yep i would absolutely agree um all right so for me i'm going to uh i have Kalijah cancy at the same spot so i'm oh, just going okay i'm just going to copy and paste him over here um and then i have tommy at uh number 4 for mm-hmm. me and then number 3 I have Brian Brzee, Ooh, okay from Clemson so um a little bit about Cansey like i his pass rush work is is outstanding it's it's really really fun to watch nasty but he's so light in the <laughs> against the run man <laughs> it is yeah. it is tough to watch him play run defense so mm-hmm. um you know he's a little bit different than Tommy i think that's the biggest difference cuz i think you know, shooting gaps, you know, holding sustaining blocks. I think Tommy's better at than Kalijah Cansey. I do think Cancy's a better pass rusher right now. Um, mm-hmm. but he's he's a small defensive tackle. I'm very nervous about that. And yeah. I understand he went to Pittsburgh, but we need to cool it with the Aaron Donald talk, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like we we have to get to a point where we stop comparing players to yeah. all time great players. Like a lot of this like from today, right? Like I love Dalton Gingade. I went to the University of Utah. He's my tight end one. We got to stop comparing him to Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Please, I'm begging you. It's so frustrating because if this guy doesn't become Travis Kelsey or if this guy doesn't come become Aaron Donald, he's a bust. He sucks. We have to lower expectations for player comparisons. Please, I'm begging you. Yeah, got to love those
2: ones. <laughs> I, I don't know where some people come up with some of these comparisons. Every year someone is Mahomes. It's amazing how many guys are going to be Mahomes in this league every single year. Yeah. Um oops, it doesn't always work out like that. <laughs> Whatever.
1: Kind of a one of one player. I don't know. Maybe that's let's choose some different players to compare them to. Yeah. Um yeah, so I'll talk about Brian Brzeg. I assume he's he's on your top 2. Yeah. Okay. So Brazil is another one. It wasn't really until I watched some of his freshman tape where I was mm. like, "Okay, I get it." Um, so it, it's an important context player for sure because of what happened in his personal life. Obviously, losing his sister to, yeah. you know, the, the cancer battle, and then also coming off of the injury. Mm. Like, I think if you watch his freshman tape versus what he put on tape last year, you're watching a completely different player. Like, it's mm-hmm. just not even close to the same. And, you know, you watch the videos he's putting out with Coach Ed and you see him getting some of his explosiveness back. So this is definitely a bet on getting back to what he put out on tape as a freshman and, you know, being able to bring that guy back out. And if you get him in the right situation, like I do think the Chargers would be a good fit for him. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is this is a great option for him. You know, he's somebody who he can play inside like like one tech stuff. He he did that this year a little bit too much for my liking, um. but somebody that can really handle his own in terms of his grip strength as a freshman. Like I was so impressed at how he could stack and shed blocks as a mm-hmm. freshman and then also be aggressive. You know, when he when you watch his freshman tape, he's lining up as a five tech, a four tech, a three tech. And that's where he's going to shine. And I think his hand usage is really, really good. Even when he was kind of struggling last year with his explosiveness, you know, when he did make plays, it was all because of his hand technique. So, um, you know, there's there's a bet. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's kind of like a George Pickens in terms of, you know, what he was like as a receiver at Georgia, because he hasn't necessarily put out great tape in a while. But his freshman tape was so much fun to watch, man. And I think if you're taking a bet on one of these guys on day two, I think Brian Brazee would be my choice there. Yeah, and
2: I'm a little surprised he's projected to go as early as he is in a lot of mocks. I don't know how often he's even there for the Chargers at 21. I'm slightly curious based on the money that they paid Morgan Fox. I, I think Morgan Fox is the starter, but I'm very curious. I'm like, Brazil is there. Yeah. How they feel about him and pairing him with, again, with Jay Rogers on this line knowing you've two guys that are hurt. A lot of guys you can't count on. Morgan Fox is probably gone next year. Uh, This one is kind of like a sneaky one for me, especially with that coach ed, um, connection there. Uh, again, unfortunate situation, losing his sister to brain cancer and having to deal with that on the field, dedicated one of his games to her awful situation. I can't imagine losing my 15 year old sister to brain cancer, uh, and then trying to play or do anything in life. That would be awful. Um, I'm not saying this is like a Kenneth Murray situation, but like we, we understand like this is, this is very significant and very difficult. Um, As a freshman, I think he was all ACC defensive rookie of the year, whatever it was, um, which Clemson hadn't had. And it's the only other player they've had for this um, since Dexter Lawrence, who obviously has been a very good interior defense alignment in the NFL um, so far. He's just watching Brazzy, his footwork and how fast he is. There's, there's plays where I'll watch him line up on like, you know, backside guard or something. And he'll beat like the center across his face on the other side, uh, play side. It's amazing to watch this guy work and and the footwork and the speed at which he can work laterally paired with someone like coach ed is kind of frightening to me. I just think that he, like, I'll be honest to me. He is like my clear cut DT two in this class. I think he's, uh, um, I don't want to say he's closer to one than three. No, I won't say that much because of the concerns. But I do think he is a like a random yeah. tier of his own, even though I don't think he falls into that first tier. Um, he can control the entire line of scrimmage with one arm that I've seen. There's so much that he does well. Again, it just comes with that caveat of wondering about him and sure. you know, the circumstances. I just think he's really, really freaking good. And if the Chargers took him at 21, I actually wouldn't hate it. Am I going to mock that to the Chargers at 21? No, but I don't think I would hate that one because I
1: understand why you would take him and pair him and just make a freak
2: into your defensive line group.
1: Yeah, you know, the the Brazil draft type has kind of gone all over the map. Like when we first started this process, you know, back in January, starting watching players, he's one of the first players I watched. And uh, at the time he was like considered like a top 10 lock. And uh, like that affects things, right? Like I'm watching him like top 10. This guy's supposed to be a top 10. No. And then obviously you learn about the situation and everything that happened. So I do think there's a world where he's on the board. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think he could fall to the second round too because you know other positions kind of take priority. But you know, if you're staring at a world for the Chargers where Nolan Smith is gone, Bijan's gone, you know, Dalton Kigate hasn't tested, like that's that's going to be an issue yeah. for the Chargers. Like mm-hmm. it is. And if you're looking at Brian Brzee versus like an underwhelming receiver class and an underwhelming, you know, maybe you, you have some questions about tight end. I could see a world where Brian Brzee is their best player on the board, so uh, I definitely would not rule it out for him. And I think he offers enough as a pass rusher, as a run defender, yeah. for me to be comfortable with that situation. I mean, he would probably be a starter like from day one, unless Austin Johnson like really kind of you know surges late and gets healthier. So uh, I wouldn't hate a Brian Brzee pick either.
2: Yeah, it's going to be the sneaky one that I'll never mock, but we should discuss it.
1: Percent. Hey, don't you dare discuss sneaky situations, Tyler, because that's stupid. As I found out by talking about trading up in the first round yesterday. Oh, well, <laughs> that's your fault. <laughs> you gotta talk about it, man. You, you do. do. I mean, because... I'm so glad you did it, so I don't have to. Thank you. For that. <laughs> Shout out to Alex Katz, and he did some great work with me mm-hmm. yesterday. So, um, all right, I you obviously have Brazil there. Let me. Uh... Why is my computer not working right now? You want me to just add the guy for you? Yeah, if you could put Mozzie at two and then uh Jalen Carter at number one. All good. I just can't scroll down on your end. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. I have like my my keychain thing for my Mac is like stuck and now I can't like do anything. Hmm. Anyways. Um I don't know if we want to necessarily talk about Jalen Carter. I I don't know if there's a scenario where he's there but with the legal stuff maybe he is there the chargers wouldn't pick him anyway but i think for me in my opinion if he were there at 21 i would take a chance on him but uh definitely not a fit for the chargers from a character standpoint but yeah well okay
2: if he's there at 21 then he
1: effed up i'll
2: i'll I'll, i won't say the f word because apparently a lot of my students watch the show now so (laughs) um hello kids um they're not this far into the show but anyway uh sure Uh, talent wise if he's there of course like it just comes down to the character stuff and i just don't think the chargers they kind of not and again was not he was cleared of this but they went to the jc jackson to kind of dip their toe in that last year now it didn't backfire because of character concerns by any means but I think that maybe they're going to kind of walk back a little bit. Um, and hey, we don't need, you know, we had, Jerry Tillery was the last character concerned guy they drafted because he stomped on a USC player or whatever. <laughs> um, so let's just avoid that altogether, I guess. But um, I don't know. What does it say about Jalen Carter? He's freaking good. And I hated watching him last year because he I was trying to watch Jordan Davis or, or Devontae Wyatt. And it was just yeah. this other guy. I'm like, come on. You know, you know and g- granted, those guys helped a lot. A Carter versus Kentucky or whatever you look like. He's just, yeah, it's just
1: different. It's just different. It is different. And, um, you know, if it, if he makes better decisions, you're talking about a top five pick, like no brainer. And now there's, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know if Alex is still in chat, but I, I have a hard time believing that Howie Roseman will pass on the chance of of taking Jalen Carter at number 10. So, uh, you know, is what it is. Um, I do want to talk about my guy, Mozzie Smith, for a second here, because he's he's number two for me. Um, He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list as one of the best athletes in college football last year. Um, You know, his his physical testing hasn't necessarily fully happened yet. I think he only did the, I don't even know if he did the 40-yard dash at the combine. Um, But, man, is he incredibly strong at the point of attack. Like, I think he's far and away the best run defender in this draft class. In terms of his ability to set the line of scrimmage, in terms of his ability to stack and shed. And I think he it, like he only had half a sack as as a college player. Um, you know, in <laughs> his career. He really? <laughs> yeah, it was just literally like one, like literally one half of a sack. Hmm. Um, but I think he's more disruptive than his pass rush production shows. Like, I think you really see a lot of uh good flashes as a pass rush ability. You know, his his grip strength is so so high. I think like if the Chargers, you know, had like a top forty pick, like he'd be a guy to be pounding the table for because I do think, like he's he's the best possible version of what Braden Fajoco gave the Chargers. Where it just like That's you're going to exactly stick. That's exactly what him. I was thinking. Wow. Yes, right. Yeah. You're going to stick him <laughs> at the nose, and you're going to let Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day and everybody else kind of work around him, and he's just going to set that line of scrimmage and just anchor down and be disruptive at the nose. Like I think mm-hmm. his potential with the Chargers defense would be so much fun to watch. Um, but I do think ultimately he's going to be like a top 40 pick. So, um, anyways, I love Mozzie Smith. He's got elite tape. He's got elite traits and, uh, I, I wish the chargers would be able to get him.
2: Yeah. I actually was thinking Neil Farrell jr. Just in terms, but with more athletic upside, Neil Farrell jr. Tested pretty often terribly. (laughs) Um, I don't know where Mozzie Smith's going to test, but I've certainly, he's more Feldman's freak than no offense, but Neil Farrell had a a very rough go. Uh, I knew I was going to like Mozzie Smith when I saw his number. Because I was cycling through guys that were, like, number 11 or number 9 for Javon Texter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mazi Smith's like, 58. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> love it. Or whatever he ended up being. No, like, he's 52, but yeah. 52, whatever it is. Like, just some, like, great. That's perfect. I know I'm going <laughs> to like this player. Um, just a really balanced two-way player, I think, in this draft yeah. as well. I think you can flash the run, of course. I do think he's like, exceptionally better at the run than he is um, as a pass rusher. But this is a solid balanced player and i think if you're looking for something like that on your defensive line um again really really solid another guy they've tried to stand up at edge a lot of these guys are trying us stand-up edge rushers occasionally probably wouldn't you know again if i'm no, calling definitely him not. if i'm calling <laughs> him upside Braden fajoko or Neil farrell jr i'm probably not trying him as a stand-up edge but they did and i think that just at least lends your, you know your evaluation to looking at maybe what you can do or how much they trusted him or like just the athletic traits in general um, he's a very, very balanced
1: player. I do really, really like Mazi Smith. Yeah. Fun player, man. And I'm, like I said, I think you see plenty of, of pass rush ability in him. He just, for whatever reason, he just didn't get home. And, uh, there's, there's a few times where it's like, oh man, if like he had a, an edge rusher, like actually be able to like close this gap, that's definitely a sack for him. But, um, you know, it is what it is. All right, Tyler, uh, any other thoughts about this, uh, interior defensive line class before we head out for tonight? I don't know why I just love watching interior defensive
2: linemen. Like there's something about watching offensive linemen and defensive linemen. It's just, I just respect it. Cause it's, it looks like it sucks. To yeah, really honest. And I had no shot in hell of ever playing either of these positions. No, <laughs> no one will ever ask me to do any of these things, but I, I really respect what they have to do and the grind and finding some guys that you like, whether it's, you know, Carl Brooks or Javon Dexter or whoever, any of these guys, it's fun watching them because they all have something unique. They bring to the table. Some guys are better than others, but it is still cool watching these guys. And I I do think that they are going to add someone in the draft at some point. Do I think it's the first two rounds? No. But if someone starts slipping into that third round or maybe even fourth round, I could see them addressing it. And I would understand. Nobody really is mocking defensive tackles or the Chargers right now, but I'm glad we did look at defensive tackles because the next time we do a mock draft, depending on how it goes, because I don't know where these guys all fit. Frankly, some of them are they're all over the place. If you look at Draft Network, PFF, Mock Draft Database, whatever. But I, I do want to start adding some of these guys and then interior offensive linemen moving forward with our mock drafts.
1: Yeah, you know I couldn't agree more. in, in terms of like l- loving defensive linemen, right? I think it's it's part because of Jamal Williams and like what he means to the Chargers from our <laughs> childhood, yeah. and also part like really diving into the film part mm-hmm. of watching football last year and watching the Chargers interior defensive line, not being very good. <laughs> so it like helped us gain like more appreciation yeah. for, you know, even guys like Austin Johnson and like mm-hmm. the way OT Doug Bonio are playing are like just solid players. Like mm-hmm. I think that, that definitely you know helps provide a, a clearer picture as, as you know, this position group. So, um, all right, that's uh that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in tonight. Make sure and like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, and let us know what you think. If you are listening to this, please leave a rating or a view. We do really appreciate that. Um, we will not be having a Saturday Q&A this week, but we're going to be- go live on Sunday evening. Uh, Alex is going to be back on the show, and we're going to have our post-free agency mock draft. So uh, make sure and uh, come in and uh, stay tuned for that episode on Sunday evening. So Tyler, appreciate it tonight. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time.